All right, Bill Barty, we're back on the Carolina Outdoors, and it's just amazing in this day and age the number of things that we absolutely take for granted. Well said. I mean, you go out in the morning, you put the key in the car, you expect it to start, you expect the tires to all be up. You get on an airplane, you expect to arrive in a few hours at your destination, having had a Coca-Cola and a bag of pretzels along the way, and sometimes it just ain't like that. No, and that's kind of what happened to our next guest. He's an architect specializing in serving the public, so to speak, served as a U.S. Army officer in his career, has worked 30-plus years designing buildings, and one day he got to get off work early. And then all of the things that you said, Don, kind of happened, including being a witness, a participant, if you will, in a miracle. Um, it was January 15th, 2009, and that work day was in New York City and his home in Charlotte. So he hustled over to the airport, got a standby seat for a late afternoon flight home, That flight was U.S. Airways Flight 1549, and it's a flight that became known as the Miracle on the Hudson flight. And that's kind of where we're going to start off with this conversation. He is Jim Whitaker, an architect based here in Charlotte. He's also a storyteller at Jesse Brown's Thursday, May 17th at 6 o'clock. And his story, Witness to the Miracle, is going to be previewed right now on the Carolina Outdoors program. Jim Whitaker, welcome. Good morning, fellas. Thank you for having me to the show. And you are correct. A bad day at the office is thinking you're going to be home for dinner, and then you end up crash landing on a river in New York. That's a bummer. Well, we know we know the story a bit. 1549 hit a flock of geese. Both engines went out. A seasoned pilot with tons of gliding experience uh, had to make quick, uh, quick second decisions. Uh, Captain Sully Sullenberg, which ended up being, we need to crash land this thing in the Hudson River. But you are in that plane and a part of that story. Can you uh, tell us your version of what happens when that shudder, that shake uh, first happened when the when the birds were hit? Well, that is a miracle indeed, and you're right. For somebody that's been on thousands and thousands of airplane flights, there's something tragically wrong when you're taking off and both engines are roaring wide open and you're pressed back in your seat. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all that engine roar and all that uh, gravity goes to zero, and you're just kindly floating through the air in a 79, 75-ton aluminum tube. That's a kind of a disconcerting moment. You know something's really, really wrong. So when that happens, and you are a seasoned flyer, a seasoned traveler, um, what is your first reaction Well, yes, being a seasoned flyer, you're not rattled by much. And I had been on previous flights where maybe one engine had gone bad. And airplanes are designed to fly on one engine. But again, two engines gone out simultaneously with a flock of geese being burnt up, incinerated in both of them, and that smell running through the cabin, and and then suddenly becoming a glider instead of an airplane floating through the air with no sound at all. Really, really disconcerting. So you know in an instant, if you fly all the time, this is something tragically wrong that doesn't happen on your average ride home. And you're traveling by yourself, uh, so you're worried about yourself. uh, But tell us about your fellow travelers, the people who are sitting next to you around. Is there 
hysteria or is it just a numbed silence? Well, at first there was a lot of anxiety and quiet. Yes, the peculiar thing that happened to me, again, you know, flying on a standby seat, lucky to get on the plane, happy to get home by dinner time, was I happened to get a seat sitting next to a woman that was flying with an infant child in her lap. In fact, the entire family was on the plane. So husband, wife, two kids, they're separated by different seat rows. And the woman sitting next to me, who was very small herself, has got a bouncing nine-month-old on her lap. And now what's going to happen? So as the drama evolves, talk about somebody that was courageous. She was very, very concerned and frightened, as all of us were. But she was brave enough to let me hold her child as we're headed over the George Washington Bridge, barreling down toward the Hudson River, not really knowing, of course, what's going to happen next. But a really courageous heart, she let me hold her child as we're headed toward the river, hoping for a better outcome that I could hopefully hold on to him as we uh, hit the water at 140 miles an hour, which is not the correct way to cannonball into the river when the air temperature is uh, 19 degrees and the water is 41 degrees. And now you're getting to the nitty-gritty of the Jim Whitaker witness to the miracle story because so many of us know the the miracle on the Hudson story, but tell us about your interaction with this mother holding a nine-month-old child, I guess from the start, maybe when you're sitting down, you're like, oh no, I've got a baby next to me, to a mother giving you her child during a crash landing, the most successful crash landing in aviation history. Um, How does that human interaction occur? Well, boy, doesn't that change your heart. You sit down and you're complaining about, why can't you make your child be quiet? And I've got five of them, so I know something about how children behave to a point where you are certain beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the last moment you're going to be alive. And she has the courage when I ask her, uh, not even knowing her, not even knowing her, just knowing that that's an infant and this is a very, very bad situation. And if anything good can come of it, maybe I'll be able to hold on to this youngster. And I ask her in just an incredibly intimate moment, you know, sitting shoulder to shoulder, eye to eye, thinking this is not knowing what's coming next. And I say, may I hold your child? And she begrudgingly, frighteningly, finally consents to that, you know, kindly so, and gives over her youngster to me. And then there I am thinking, oh, that was a genius maneuver. Now what are you going to do? You've got a nine-month-old, and uh, what are you going to do now? So uh, fortunately for all of us, it was a wonderful experience. The little guy hell, it was just as brave as he could be, he turned sideways. I held him like a football, put up a knee, and here we go. We're going to land on the river. Now, now during that long period of time while this is happening, I mean, I'm sure your mind drug this out agonizingly long. How much information were you getting from the flight crew? That's a great question. The only time the flight crew ever reported to the passengers into the cabin was, and remember, this whole event from takeoff to crash landing is three and a half minutes. The plane only ever got to an altitude of 3,000 feet before it made a J-hook in the sky and headed back south towards the river. Um, That period of time was, was, yes, lengthened in time in one's mind for sure, but it was incredibly fast. But the only thing you ever heard from the cabin 
was at the time when there was there was the point of no return, and the captain very calmly came on the uh, came on the PA and said, "This is your captain. Brace for impact." And that is a moment where the inside of the cabin that was that was a mixture of the worst possible experience I think a human could ever have when you all are assuredly expected you're going to die. So a lot of crying, a lot of yelling, a lot of praying, a lot of hand-holding. It was a very, very intense human moment. There ain't no doubt about that. It was very, very intense. What was the moment that you touched the water like? What was, you know, that, that initial impact? Well, some people have asked me that, and I've often tried to say, you know, all of us in our younger uh, days have done something stupid like crash a car. But crashing a, a uh, your car into the sidewalk at 140 miles an hour, which is essentially what water is at that speed, right, that's a, that's a pretty hard impact. So I don't know if I can describe it in words because I've never hit anything. I'm not a NASCAR guy, so I've never hit anything going 140 miles an hour. But the impact was uh, severe, to say the least, as the belly touched down on the belly of the airplane, touched down in the water, of course. That was ironically just about the spot where I was sitting in the plane. So the horizontal uh, structural frames in the fuselage buckled. So the floor literally came up underneath my feet as the, uh, the fuselage was tearing apart. At the bottom of it, that was it was peeling off like a can of sardines. That's, um, that's what's happening first, and then there's a bouncing on top of the water until the plane finally comes to a stop, and then it's just floating in the river, right? Hard to imagine, certainly not what everyone else or anyone on the plane would have expected. But in a matter of seconds, you go from 140 miles an hour to crashing hard stop on the water. And then suddenly you're just floating like a cork in the river as water is pouring inside the plane, but you're all alive. And that's, you know, that's truly the story of the miracle is how could one have expected that to be the outcome? The voice that you're hearing there is Jim Whitaker. His story is going to be told at Jesse Brown's during Storytellers Night at Jesse Brown's Thursday, May 17th from 6 to 8 p.m. Come hear a neighbor's adventure. Three 20-minute stories, including Witness to the Miracle by Jim Whitaker. And, Jim, you're still working. You're still traveling. Are you uh, taking the train everywhere now? I got on this uh, another airplane that night and flew home. My pants were wet. What else was I going to do? <laughs> so it has not changed, or has it changed, any anxiety that you may feel whenever you get on an airplane? Well, seriously, I never forget it, fellas. That's for sure. It's a life experience one will never forget. But, no, it hasn't changed my uh, travel experience. I travel more now than I ever had. And, and But for the grace of God, I'm here to talk to you now. So... Well, it's a great story. I look forward to talking more. Again, most successful crash landing in aviation history. That puts you in a small fraternity of people that were on that plane. Do you keep up with anybody who was also on the plane? I do. I do indeed. It's a, it is a small, strange, eclectic club. That's true. We get together about, we try to get together every year on the anniversary date. Uh, we maintain contact on social media. Obviously, some of the folks in Charlotte I still get to see when I'm home and in town. 
And it's a, it is a strange bond, you know. It's one of those experiences where you really don't have to say anything to that person when you see them again. It's just one of those shared experiences that never goes away in your mind. It's well, always right there. Thank you so much for spending some time with the outdoor guys here on WBT, and we look forward to seeing you at Jesse Brown's. You too, fellas. Thank you.